The following is brought to you by Total Seal Piston Rings, the leader in ring seal technology. TotalSeal.com Hello and welcome to the next episode of Hidden Horsepower presented by Total Seal Piston Rings, the leader in ring seal technology. My name is Joe Costello and I am super excited for another episode. We have been on a run and you guys, the listeners, have been giving us great feedback. The episodes that we have had, the Ed Pink episode has got everybody very excited. Keith Dorton and others have got a lot of positive feedback out there on the internet and a lot of the credit goes to my co-host, Mr. Keith Jones, the Director of Technical Sales at Total Seal Piston Rings. Keith, it has been great so far and we've got another good one. It really has, Joe. I got to tell you, the feedback that I get, and I mean every day, emails, phone calls, texts, you know, messenger about the show. It, it's amazing to me the positive response we've got, and from a lot of the people that are responding about it. You know, not people that I would consider, you know, podcasters or, or people who listen to this stuff. And it's like, hey, well, I'm listening in the shop while I'm building engines. Uh, it, it's it's been great. It's been nothing but a positive experience, and I'm uh, very proud to be in part of it. Before we go too far, let's uh, tell you who we're going to have. And before we bring him on, I've got something I want to make sure everybody understands. But Tom Martino from Martino Racing Engines does a very well-known in the drag racing world, competition eliminator, pro stock, but also does a lot of circle track modified work. So he branches out into all forms of engine building and racing. We're going to speak with Tom on the show just seconds from now. But before we do that, TotalSeal.com. Keith, you guys have got a brand new website. Yeah, we sure do, Joe. We've worked hard on it. Uh, it's got a fresh new look. Uh, you know, not beating up what we had, but we did that website, I want to say, early to mid-2000s. And really few little updates here and there hadn't been, you know, refreshed. So, yeah, we've got a whole new website. Uh, you know, for those out there, hey, there's still a few little glitches here and there. We're still working on it like anything else. Got to fine-tune all the bugs out of it. But, yeah, it's pretty exciting. Check out our new products on there, the new gas-ported top ring sets, uh, the new search engines that are on there. We've worked really, really hard, really diving into this thing and still going. Still got a ways to go, still fine-tuning it. Uh, but, yeah, everybody should check it out. It looks really good. So he's on here listening. I want you to tell the audience about Mr. Tom Martino. I have had some experience with Tom on the NHRA side of the world, dominant comp eliminator, part-time in it, up there at Maple Grove, winning like many years in a row and making a lot of people angry. What about you, Keith? Tell us about Martino Racing Engines. You work with them on a regular basis, and then we'll bring Tom on. Yeah, I talk to Tom at least once a week. Uh, you know, Tom isn't just a customer, he's a friend. He's one of those guys that, you know, he wanted to call me at home. Hey, I'll take that call. Uh, he, he's just a super, super guy. He's great to work with, extremely knowledgeable. Uh, the guys in his shop, he's surrounded himself with really good people. You know, you, you, know, you hear the old adage, you're only as good as the people that work for you. Well, you know, Tom's fantastic, but he also has fantastic guys, and they really make a, a, a very cohesive unit. They put out a great product, and Tom is bringing, you know, his, his incredible knowledge base that he's learned, you know, over all these years into the circle track world, the drag race world, the marine world, all of this knowledge, and that never-ending quest to push it to the next limit. I mean, he and I will sit there and, you know, uh, as he mentioned, you know, before we could talk for hours, uh, but all the little things, all the little stuff that he's digging at and, you know, guys picking up, ah, oh, you're cheating, you're cheating, you're cheating. Nah, he's not cheating. He's just doing a better job than you are. 
And, you know, so it, it's great working with Tom because he always wants to try, you know, again, what's the next thing? You know, like that, you know, that two-year-old kid, you know, why, why, why? Well, that's Tom. Why? We want to make it better. <laughs> and uh, a comparison to a two-year-old, we got to take it as a compliment and bring him on from Martino Racing Engines. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Tom Martino. Well, that's an introduction right there. But I, I can't disagree with him. Uh, my, both my wife and my children might, might agree with Keith more than I'd like him to. So, but being curious but, um, is important. you got to be curious. <laughs> I can't wait to tell him I was compared to a two-year-old. I finally found someone on my level. But <laughs> it, it is, you know, to, to just to, to expand on what, what Keith said a little bit, um, I really, I have a gentleman that works for me, Bob Cave. He's been with me since 1998. He came on with me when I when I raced pro stock, and um, I, he came on because I needed help at the racetrack. Uh, Tom Kling did everything with me, and and he he was a big part of Jessel Val Train, and it was hard for him to travel to 24 races a year. So I brought Bob on. We we didn't miss a beat. We probably even got a little better because Bob brought a whole new different set of. I, eyes and and ideas from you know you, you get you sometimes you can't see the forest from the trees in between the trees and um after a little while bob bob said you know i need to be off the road he said i've been on the road for many years he says you're you're very tough to race with because you you know you're just so intense and it's not as much fun and i knew i could not lose that guy so i put him in charge of the engine program and and he's been with me ever since and and um uh I know it's not. This isn't an advertisement, but I just—I mean, I just—I I wouldn't feel good unless I gave him a little shout out for. Uh, we we feel we we are one of the premier engine builders in our area, and and I would not be that without without him, you know, honing our our expertise, so to speak. You know, we're we're the we're the finesse and hammer and chisel. You know, I'm more the hammer chisel. He's more to the finesse, and not that I hammer and chisel anything, but you know. Uh, I'm I'm wide open, want to go, and he he makes me think about it, and then, you know between the two of us we come up with the what we think is the right recipe. So, and you need that the chemistry. It's a very important yeah. in every everything yeah. you yeah. do, and we want to get into it. I want to hear the breakdown and talk a little bit about uh, you know your career, how you got started. Obviously, the breakdown of your work. I know that you, I know you from drag racing, but you are successful in many other arenas, and I want to get into that. Keith mentioned that uh, some people might think you're bending the rules. I can't wait to talk to you about that. But let's start at the beginning and, and, and get the bio a little bit. Now, I know you because of my father. I uh, grew up in Jersey, uh, you know, tracks around there. And he would always okay. tell me when you raced, I ra- I watched his dad race, his dad, Sonny Boy Martino. And had he told oh, me. Oh, yeah. The- so oh, let- yeah. you got the bug yeah. because of your dad. Start there. Going to the track well, early age, and, and, and what was that like? Well, uh, many people don't know this. My dad was partners in a top fuel car back when they used to run top fuel at, at Raceway Park in Englishtown on a, on a Sunday. Now, they would only get four or five or six cars, and, and they, they weren't championship caliber type of cars. But when I was growing up, all I wanted to be was Big Daddy Don Gartlets. I mean, I, you know, I'm... To this day, I am a fuel fan. You know, I, I'm a door slammer guy. I mean, if if you told me I could have a huge sponsorship and go back to racing tomorrow, I would go back to pro stock because I love it. But I, I watched pro funny car and top fuel qualifying 
for the enjoyment. It's just to me. It, I mean, you you cannot compare that to any other form of motorsports anywhere. So as a young age. The top fuel car, my father had a D-Gas 55 Chevy. I think everyone back in that day had a 55 Chevy, but mm. he had a D-Gas 55 Chevy, and he was partners with this fellow named Bob Oganowski in a top fuel car, and it was housed in the in the three-car garage behind our house where we lived when I was growing up, and I was just a, a young kid, so I always wanted to be – I always wanted to race. You know, fast forward, my dad gets out of racing – I go to school, I work for my dad, I go in my own business, and I, I start racing. And obviously, my dad was still a gearhead at heart and, and, and quite honestly, probably funded 75%. Of course, I always told him I was paying half, but he was probably funding 75% of my, my, my racing career. And we started at Englishtown in the bracket racing, and then I got lucky enough to uh, meet Tom Kling, and um, I always wanted to run Competition Eliminator, and we started running Comp Eliminator and had, had some success. And, and, of course, you know, you become a pro stock fan. Um, you know, I always ran B or C alter, two carburetor, stick shift, light cars, you know. It, it, I always wanted to be fast. There was classes that might have been easier index-wise, but it, it was getting away from the pro stock idea. And I, and I never, never believed I'd ever race pro stock, but in my mind, that's, that's what I was doing at my level. And um, Wayne Jessel, you know, we, were, we were joking, our, our index got hit at, uh, at Maple Grove, you know, believe it or not. Uh, Ron Krischer hit, hit, hit our index, and uh, I was faster than him, and we were saving the index. And, and I could never convince Tommy Kling into going to pro stock. And Wayne, Wayne says, Tommy, if I get you guys an engine, will you race eight years, eight races next year? Tommy said, I'll commit to eight races. And Wayne Jessel had a very good relationship with Richard Maskin, and, and uh, Richard sold us an engine, and we were going to hit eight of the East Coast races. But on, we went down to Houston and uh, were the only car to run in the sixes. I called Graham Light and asked him if I could go to Pomona. <laughs> wow. Qualified, I think, number four at Pomona, and that's where it started. I, but I was very lucky to have people like Tommy Kling and Dan Jessel to help me get going. And then I was lucky enough to find sponsorship. My sister worked for a huge advertising agency in New York City. And, and you have to know somebody, as everyone will tell you, get sponsors to get your foot in the door. You know, she didn't give me a sponsorship, but she was able to hook me up with the right people. And, you know, we had – I was sponsored by Century uh, – by Mama Rosa Pizza was a privately held company by um, – um, Mr. Gilardi, I forget his first name. Um, and then from there, my sister got me hooked up with Sendent Comp uh, with um, Time Warner, who owned Six Flags Theme Parks. They owned a bunch. Obviously, Time Warner owns a lot, but they had they had a theme park um, sponsorship. And I was with them for for a few years, and then that whole crew moved on to the Sendent Company, which was Century Twenty One, and I had them for three years. Um, unfortunately, 9/11 hit, and a lot of the sponsorship money got got eaten up. People weren't were watching their money; they didn't know what the country was going on. Much like it is today. Um, I mean, I would not want to be a pro team right now. You you got your fingers crossed. You could deliver to your sponsors. Your sponsors are doing well enough to still support you. And and uh, that I stepped away from racing and then started my. I left Jessel and started my own engine business and for full time in 2002 and uh we did drag race bracket race very little circle track and then uh one of the top circle track guys offered me a, or to do him an engine and it 
went out there and and I, I'm not an egotistical guy, but it flat killed everybody. I mean, it. We had he had one of the best engines at the place, and it, we dined on it before we built him one, and it made 471 horsepower. The first pull on the new motor I built him made 512. Wow! And who was that? He turned to me, said. He said to me, this thing's legal, right? I said, Harry, I promise. Harry Reed, he, I still, he's still one of my best customers to this day. I said, Harry, I, I stake my reputation on this thing being legal. They've taken that motor They've taken that motor apart in the first couple of years probably a dozen times. Wow. Never found anything. But local circle track people were never subjected. They, they, I'm not smarter than any of these local engine builders. They were never subjected to what it was to make – at the time, 1,300 horsepower out of a 500-inch engine and, and and how important, you know, three or four horsepower was on 1,300, you, you know, and we just brought all that technology over. You know, there's other rings out there. Well, as soon as we were building them, our first rings were – our first motors had total seal rings in them. You know, they were better. I mean, I'm, I, I know it sounds like an ad, but, you know, you're paying me to – to, to build an engine, I'm going to put the best components I personally think are in there. You know, people weren't cutting their own ring grooves. They were just buying shelf pistons. You know, and the big, pistons have come a long way. You could buy shelf pistons now. Back then, we'd get them with just oil ring. We cut our own ring grooves. You know, it was worth, you know, on a 500 horsepower engine, it, it was worth 15 horsepower. That's a huge percentage. You know, but so everyone thought we were cheating. We weren't cheating. We were just building a better box. Wow. Keith, what do you remember from that time in that I love all forms of racing? I think everybody that listens to this show and uh, other shows that I do, we love cars and and car guys and and all of that. But the drag racer mentality wins again, right? (laughs) Right? He he goes into a different type of of fish tank and breaks out all the all the stops. Yeah, I guess maybe I'm a little slanted there like yourselves and uh yeah, one of the things, like Tom said, you know, there was a time and age, and I think I mentioned this once on one of the previous shows. I remember, you know, one of the first small blocks I did for my own Chevelle, and, you know, study all this stuff, what heads, how to port them, what camshaft, what manifold, do all this research. You know, obviously way before the Internet, you know, you had to do these things called books uh, and, and magazines, and you read all this and you absorb all this knowledge, and I, I do all this, and then I go down to my local speed shop, Loper's Performance, and, and just go in and roll in and just get whatever rings they get on the shelf. I mean, just, you know, was there even a concern about what oil ring tension, you know, the, you know, the depth of the ring, the radial? Nah, you just buy them, they fit on the piston, ah, good enough. And, and that's where, you know, like working with Tom is like, how can we optimize this? What can we do? How, how much thinner can we go? How much more radial depth can we reduce to improve flexibility, conformability in the ring? How light can we get the oil ring? You know, the, the ring is now part of the component package. Uh, you know, it, it, it helps to you know, eliminate power losses, just like putting a better cam. So it's that thinking, that mentality that's changed so much, at least in my world, you know, over the years from back in the day where, you, like Tom said, you just kind of took the shelf piston and, you know, you put it together and you let it go versus, you know, we need to really look at this. We need to look at the ring groove, how the ring fits. What can we do? This, this is a huge, huge source of friction in the engine how can we get rid of as much of this as we can and yet maintain ring seal and and that's where you know again all those little tricks from coming from pro stock and really getting the engine sealed up trying to improve that package translates or transmits into all the other stuff that tom's doing so tom what happens pick the story up right there in that uh you know you got this engine 
and he goes to the track and he starts well, winning we and now well, we you go, you're doing a lot track. of business there so and, it must and, have worked out and, we go to Wall Stadium. You're a New Jersey guy, so you know you know Wall Stadium. Probably some of the best short track asphalt racing anywhere, and I'm a huge fan of that. And I, when we're when I was even on on the tour, we would, we would go to that track to see how how it was. So we go there, and Harry, being a long time racer and a very good competitor, and Harry was already always one of the guys that already was winning. It wasn't like I I went with somebody that you know, was a nobody. So Harry was known. And he says to me, you know, and the motor wanted like 37 degrees of time and, and, um, they'd run on a 502 barrel. And, and let's just say, I forget what the jet size was. Let's just say it made the most power to 75 jet. Well, Harry's screwing 78 jets in it. And he's telling me, put the timing at 31. I look at him and go, Harry, you just paid me to build you a motor. What the heck are we doing? I come from the drag race world. If I got my foot on your throat, I'm kicking you in the head with my other foot. You, you know, I'm, I want to. You know, I want. I want. I want everything I have. He goes. We can't show him everything we have. I go. Why not? He goes. Oh, he says they'll be pulling us apart. So long story short, he goes out there. Um, we qualify on the pole. We don't win. There's there's um, another gentleman there that, that, that does a very good job and, and uh, doesn't beat us on power, but beats us on handling and, and smart driving and everything. But and we go we go to next week and um, we qualify in the poll. We win and they pull the head off. Okay, pull the head off. They're they're allowed to have any engine builder look at the head. So the engine builder for the the gentleman, well, the engine builder that actually had the most engines there, built the other guy's engine that protested me. So he looks at the head and he goes, "Oh, there's, you know, it's not. We're not allowed to port the head. We have to use a Dart 200 head. Any valve job we want, but we can't go in in the port." He says, "No." He says, "The port's not not touched. They CC it. It's a Dart 200. It comes up 202. You know, and there's some leadway of what the castings are. You know, so." We go on. They give us the win. We go on. I put the head back on. I'm at my engine shop the following Saturday, and Harry calls me. He says, uh, how long before you come to the, to the track? I usually don't get there to heat races and qualifying. I says, oh, I'll be there in a couple hours. He says, he says, would you mind coming and changing this manifold? I said, what's the matter? He says, they brought me a manifold and told me I have to put – you're not allowed to have a ported manifold. There's a 7501 Edelbrock manifold that has to be on that combination. They brought me a new manifold, and they told me that they want me to put it on. Because they know that we, you know, that you know a lot about manifolds, and you probably had the manifold ported. So I said, sure. So I, I buzzed to the track, but I said intake gaskets. We change it. I said, Harry, and the and the track promoter is standing there. I said, Harry, I did all this work. You have to help me out a little bit. He goes, What do you mean? I says, We have to in qualifying tune this thing up. He said, Well, I'll give you either timing or jet. I said, well, let me have the timing then. So I put the distributor back in. I set it right at 37 and a half, you know, instead of 31. We go out to qualify. This other fellow that, you know, our number one competition goes out there and he goes 1261. He's he's on the pole with a 1261. Stephen Reed, which is Harry's son who drives the car, goes out there and goes 1211. <laughs> I walked over to the other gentleman's father, you know, who was, who was number two. I said, do you want to piss me off more? Wow. <laughs> wow. Last year, we won all but two modified races. The year before, we won all but, all but three, I think it was. 
So, what was it like on Monday after that race? That's like a win on Sunday, sell on Monday uh, story. It took me three years before I started to get that business because they all thought we were cheating. And I'm a drag race guy. The engine won't last. He has a drag race camshaft in it. I didn't, you know, I think we put camshafts in for what the motor wants to do. I don't know whether, you know, I don't, I never looked in the, I never called comp cams and said, I want a drag race camshaft. I tell them what kind of lobes I want and where I want them at 200 and this and that and take some of their feedback, much like Keith helps me out, you know, uh, the guys at comp cams, you know, well, you know, no, I don't think so. You're, you're too, a little too aggressive there. We'll, we'll try that. Let me know what that did. You, you, you know what I mean? I don't, I don't say I want to, I'm going to put one of my pro stock cams in this, in this motor, you know? So, but after, after a couple of years, we started getting customers. Now, now Harry Reed just says to me the other day, Harry Reed's struggling a little bit. He's, he, I mean, well, he finished second, fifth and third. They've had three races so far this year. And I said to him the other day, I, I, we were talking, and, and he says to me, he says, you ruined this, this place. I go, why? He goes, because now I can't pass anybody on the straightaway. we got to outhandle them. <laughs> there it is, right. He says, everyone's got big power now. <laughs> exactly. Now, Keith, jump in here. Talk a little bit about the process, you know, working with Tom, knowing that he's doing engines. You still do drag racing engines. You still are involved in drag racing. You jump. The funny thing about Tom is he races like every once in a while and he goes and he wins. Like, that's the craziest thing. It's, you'd think. You'd a lot think, of luck. A lot of luck. That's and, no. <laughs> and I pick and I pick a good car. Yeah, <laughs> it it's like playing cards and I'm dealing myself a pocket aces. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> you say that, but it's so, comp eliminator. I, and I, I want I want to brag about winning and everything, but I, but but Ken Ken Voigt became my customer a few years ago, and he's he he lets I make him spend anything anything I think he needs to have for that car, and we we've turned his engine program around and. So you know, I'm going there with a with a with a bullet that could win. You, you know, it's not. I didn't go there and need and with a car at the middle of the pack. I went. I'm going there with with a front runner. You know, to start with. So it um, it, it it's not it's not by any means all me. So I got it. Speaking of crushing the index, but Keith, talk a little bit about, uh, you know, the process of working back and forth with Tom and some of the things, different applications and a mindset. He mentions a drag race cam, right? Like that sounds like such an old school thing, but uh, we've evolved pretty rapidly over the past few years between that time and now. So talk a little bit about that uh, mentality and different combinations and what something else might need for a different application. Well, that that's it exactly. I mean, Tom's one of these guys that, you know, like you said, a drag race cam or drag race rings or a drag race piston. You know, there's there's there is still that mentality out there. There's still that, oh, you can't run that. You know, small wrist pin in that circle track engine. You can't put that. You know, that little 780. I can't even think of the size off the top of my head. You know, inch and a half long. You can't do that. You can't run that set of rings. That'll never hold up. You can't run that valve spring. That valve spring's never going to last in an engine like that. Well, you know, the, the bottom line is material technologies, just technologies in general, have moved so far forward. You know, like from my point of view, the materials that we make the rings out of are so much more durable today. The coatings that we use are so much more durable today that, yeah, you can get away with this stuff in these applications. Can I run, you know, a 35,000 stick ring in a circle track engine with not necessarily the best air filters on the planet? Yeah, guess what? 
it works. It still holds up. It still does its thing. So there, there's, there's certain boundaries out there, barriers out there of you can't do that in a circle track engine. And Tom's, you know, he's the guy that's willing to go and push that. It's like, Hill and I will talk about it. What do you think about this? Is it dry sump? Is it wet sump? Is it pulling vacuum? How much compression height do you have on the piston? How much can we squeeze in there? Do you think we could do this? Do you think we can do that? And then part of it is, you know, who's the customer? Is this guy taking care of his stuff? Does he keep a good tune-up on it? Or is this some lazy schmo that, you know, filters plug full of dirt, like Tom said, you know, distributor slip. Now it's got 42 degrees of timing in it. You know, change a jet. What's a jet? You know, knowing the customer that he's dealing with, Tom's willing to push that envelope. He's one of these guys that's like, yeah, bring it. What can we do? What can we do? And where I have other customers, they're a little more conservative. They want non I want safe, reliable. I, I want to stay over here. Tom's one of those guys, and I can only, you know, really speak from the ring side of it, but typically people that are willing to you know, try some of the crazy stuff that we come up with uh, are usually trying that stuff in other places too and then find that, hey, this new stuff, it is reliable. It does hold up. It will last in that application. And in the big picture of things, it really doesn't cost anymore. And in many cases, over the, you know, the long haul, costs less because it lasts a lot longer. And, and, and there's something that Keith just said at the end is, is also very true. Our engines run as well when they need to be rebuilt as they do when we first, first do them. And a lot of that is finding the home, the proper home to it, but the ring has to be able to withstand the heat and the rigors for three-quarters of the season, where it used to be half a season, you have to rebuild those motors. Now it's three-quarters of the year or more, and, and you take them apart, and actually – the rings are probably still okay. We just really, you know, we just really need to have the motor apart to make sure everything else is being all right. But, but you know, you know the old advantage, the old old saying, you know, you you get what you pay for, you, you know. And it's not that the total seal rings are are stupidly expensive. They are a little more money than than other rings. But when if if you figured it out pound for dollar, I mean, you're it's cheaper. You know, you take it out, and I'm like, ah, put new rings in this thing. Uh, it's they're fine, but you know if I if if God forbid the customer ever thought I put his old rings back in, even if I didn't charge him for new ones, he would tell me this thing just doesn't run as good as it did before. You know, so it's got to get new rings. But it, it, <laughs> and, and believe me, that's so true, so true. And you took to giggle about that that wrist pin thing. I built, uh, you know, we do some dirt modified stuff, some open three fifty eight and some of that spec uh, spec headed stuff and. Um, you know, the spec headed stuff, you're not allowed to port the head and, and you know, we, we got a we got you know, a seven twenty seven pin and, and some of that stuff and I remember the first time knocking the motor apart and, and the guy that owns the the, the motor is looking at me going, what's the matter with our wristband? I go, I'm thinking, what shit, but did I miss something? <laughs> I look he goes, Look at the size of that thing and, and like Keith says, you know, it it's it's inch and a half long. you, you, you know what I mean? The, he goes, You can't run that I look at him, I go and you own a junkyard, right? Yes. Do I go in there and tell you what copper to buy? <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's people, it, the, 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 the local circle track engine builders. Now there are guys like Hutter and um, people on his level that are, you know, I, I, I look up to, I think we build as much power as them, but I don't think we're any better than those, those guys. But, but, the majority of the people we compete against don't think outside the box, you, you know, 
if, if, if I get a Hutter motor in the shop and I pick it up two or three or four or five, I'm pretty excited because, you know, I picked up one of the top guys in his day's engine. You, you know what I mean? Sure, absolutely, and then that's, uh, you know, the cream rises when you get all the way up there. You're big. And you've done some engines for some racers that have made it uh, all the way. I know that uh, your your engines are popular in the Wheeland Modified Series and that you've done some engines for uh, one driver in particular that has made it all the way to the cup level. Yep, I, I uh, T.S. Holders, Eddie Partridge, who lives in Long Island, um, Ryan Priest tries, well, used to drive for him on the wheel and modified tour. And uh, I do Jimmy Blewett's modified tour stuff. And, and Jimmy's um, brother who has, who had passed in a racing accident drove for Eddie. And then Jimmy drove some for Eddie also. And uh, um, we went to Myrtle beach. Ryan had a commitment to drive a um, Xfinity car that weekend for Joe Gibbs. And Eddie wanted to run for the owner's championship. So we put a Jimmy Blewett put a six. Uh, Eddie's number is six. Put a six on Jimmy's car. We went to to um, Myrtle Beach for the first opening race of the year for the Wheel and Modified Tour, and that's when I met Eddie. And Eddie was impressed with the engine. Um, next thing you know, it's, uh, we fly home Sunday morning. Eddie calls me. You are are you at your shop? I said you just called the shop number. He says I'm on my way over. I said well, what? He says. I got two of my motors in the trailer. I want you to redo them. <laughs> and I started doing motors for him. And uh, Ryan won, won a few races, uh, sat on the pole. I, I, do, I do the motor for, for Andrew Krause, who was a, a local gentleman. His family actually um, operate Wall Stadium. He sat on the pole at, at one of the big horsepower tracks, Thompson Speedway, up in Connecticut. The last race of last year, he, he sat on the pole up there with, with one of our engines. So, we, you know, we do... We we do. I guess we have. I still count Eddie as one of the customers, even though he's only a spot time racer now. But we, you know, we have four or five of those guys that that we do stuff for. Um, I'm I'm really not enthused about doing that stuff. I like doing it because I enjoy it. But um, you're really in a box. You can't think at all. They you have to buy all the parts from them. Um, so it really comes down to what you could do frictional and your home tactics and stuff. You know, you're not allowed to do valve jobs or anything. So it's um, uh, but 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 once again, going back to the pro stock days, all the little things we've learned in frictional, you know, for that we applied to the 500 inches, it, it works no matter whether you're running a Briggs and Stratton four horsepower or you know a, a 1400 horsepower pro stock engine, and you know and and and. Uh, our, our our motors are competitive with with all the ones that are out there. You know, I wouldn't say they're better than than all of them, but they're as good as the good ones. So, yeah, no, I agree with Tom. It's all it's it's the little things, and especially with the restricted classes like Tom's talking about. You know, you can't port the head, you can't port the manifold. You know, they they know what they're looking at. These guys aren't. You know, these tech guys, they know what they're doing. Uh, you know, so it makes Tom find, and that's that's one of the things again. And I'm not taking anything away from anybody, but but guys that you know where you. you Back in the day, you know, you can buy some really tremendous parts these days, and and you can still make those parts better. But you go back, you know, 
20 years where you, know, you couldn't buy the kind of parts you had now. You had to find every little thing and rework that part, massage that part, make it better. So it just made you look for all the little things. And that's where a guy like Tom, you're looking at all the little details. How does everything fit? Oh, man, look at that. That's not lining up. You know, we've got to get that. You know, open that hole up a little bit because that's not lining up with that part. Let's get that right. Let's get the friction down. Let's get the cylinder finish optimized. You know, one of the first times, you know, Tom brought up Richard Maskin earlier. I remember... God, it had to be like 99 or 2,000. And get a phone call from Maskin. He's working on Jeggy's Pro Stock stuff back in the day. And Paul Hoskins was there. And it's literally like, you guys, I'm sending you two first-class tickets, or I'll send you my jet, which I don't even know if he owned a jet, but it had to be somebody's jet, you know, to pick <laughs> you guys up. He goes, I want you here tomorrow. And, well, I don't think we made it tomorrow, but I think it was the day after that. And we spent, you know, the next days – Honing blocks. We brought profilometers with us. We brought all our equipment, and we spent time really getting that cylinder finish optimized. And you know where I go with that is, you know, you think about the time. It wasn't like they were building some kind of a pooch. I mean, this thing ran. This was, you know, this is a championship level engine. Uh, but they they weren't getting all of it. They weren't getting everything. And one of the things we found was just simply the difference in the finish cylinder to cylinder. Not that the finishes were bad, but they weren't all eight the same. We found that the back of the block was harder than the front of the block. So it took a couple more strokes or a little more pressure to get the back finish the same as it was in the front. And just getting all those numbers optimized, uh, I won't get exact numbers, but I will tell you this, from what it was on the first hit to what it was when we were done, we were up double digits. And that was just simply getting the cylinder finish dialed in on that engine. So, again, kind of a long story, but, you know, it's, getting, it's paying attention to all those little details that a guy like Tom, you know, coming from that background, is looking at all the little things, you know, just to make sure, oh, look at that little, you know, is that bearing exactly the same width as that bearing? Well, you know, it's not exactly the same. Let's get that exact. And all those little things add up. You know, I, I just want to butt in for a second. I, you know, I drove Richard Maskin's Pro Stock car um, in 2006, uh, the Skull Gear car, and mm-hmm. Richard taught me a ton. Keith just touched on a little bit. When we hone a block here, Bob profilometers every cylinder. In other words, he gets his little recipe. You know whether it's the diamond or what stone or whatever, and he he has his recipe for what he has wants for the numbers, and okay, it works on that. It it might not do that in the next cylinder. You know what I mean? It so, and Richard Maskin taught me that when I was there. Um, I was helping Paul Hoskins assemble a motor, and it had three different oil ring tensions in the, in the Pro Stock motor. Now. You would you would ah, what's what's two pounds oil ring tension? Well, when you when when you're looking for that last onesie twosies, that's the kind of stuff that 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 matters. And and I learned that from guys like Richard Maskin. I'm, you know that no stone can be left unturned. Don't assume anything. You know, measure every piston. Make sure you know if you're if that thing's four seven hundred. Make sure every piston is for four seven hundred. One might be two tenths bigger. Hone that hole two tenths bigger. You, you know, if if this is the clearance we think it needs, make sure each cylinder has that clearance. And and that's I think a lot of the the the, the smaller engine shops don't 
don't realize that, and it's not because they're not smart or good what they do at what they do. They've never been in a position where it mattered, you know, um, not qualifying for a pro stock race and have to answer to the to the sponsors on Monday. They don't want excuses. You know, you got to own up to it. We didn't do a good job, you know. Um, so you want to cross every T and dot every I, and there's and there's people like Richard Maskin. Um, I learned a ton from him. For whatever reason, Warren Johnson took me under his wing. I mean, everyone thinks he's a crotchety old man. That guy, I mean, he's the, one of the funniest guys I've ever talked to in my life, you know, and he's taught me a ton. Uh, Grumpy Jenkins, you know, I have two phone numbers in my cell phone numbers in my phone, and then they'll be there to the day I die, and they both pass. I have Grump's cell phone number and Bob Glidden's cell phone number. And, and, I don't know how many no names like myself could say that they have their, you know, two icons of, of our industry's cell phone numbers. Wow. Any uh, any uh, lessons that you can share, learn from one or the other or both great <laughs> oh, rivals? <yeah. laughs> we could, uh, with the Glidden side, we could do 30 podcasts because he, he worked with me at Maskin's when I drove that car for a year. Um, but, but Grump was amazing. Grump's mind, it's a wonder his head wasn't four times the size it was because so much was going on in there. I remember being at Bristol and and making, not running as well. At the time, you know, we were one of the, one of the, one of the boys in pro stock, you know, we'd go out there, we made a good run. We were really good. We didn't make a good run. We were the middle of the pack. You know what I mean? We were, and, and I'm like, not running great. And, and, and I'm confused. I'm looking at the the spark plug and the, and the O O2's telling me that I I want to take fuel out and the spark plug looks like it needs fuel in and the guy Paulie that works for me at the time he was, was one of my best friends and he wasn't a mechanic he goes go ask Grump we give him beer every Friday night he comes over for 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 beer <laughs> he says go go tell him he wants beer tonight he's got to look at your plugs right so I go over at my little boat with the spark plugs in it I, I said Grump you do me a favor look at these and he gives you put puts his glasses down at the end of his nose. He looks at the plugs. He goes, first of all, stop over-revving this thing. Mind you, this is how smart the guy was. On that particular run that those plugs came out of, the thing stood up, went a little left on me. I had a, I was trying to gather it in. I was probably four or 500 high at a low in second to get it back over in the groove, right? He doesn't know that. He didn't see my computer. He told me, stop over-revving this thing. You have money? I go, do I have to pay you to look at these books? No. Can you afford gas? I go, all right, Grump, I'm confused. Can I afford gas? What kind of gas? Yeah, I can afford gas. Or need a gallon of gas? You need gas in your, your scooter or something? No. Don't be so cheap. Back then we were running C25. Go put some more of that C25 in this thing. I go, and I'm so stupid. I go, Grump, it's a three-gallon fuel cell. We fill it before every run. He looks at me, and he thinks I'm joking with him. He didn't re- then he realized <laughs> that that was my answer. He goes, no, put some jet in it. And I don't mean one pin size either. Now get out of here. <laughs> I go back and I tell Paulie and Tommy Kling what he says. I said, what do you think we should do? Paulie says, hell, I'm not going to say what he said, to, you know, his New Jersey alphabet. <laughs> <laughs> he says, let's put three pin size in. And we go out there and we were second high mile an hour in the next session. That's my best grump story. Wow. 
Stop over-revving that thing. The guy did not see my computer, did not know I over-revved it. He looked at the spark plugs and told me I was over-revving it. Amazing. So. Amazing. And all you yeah. folks out there listening, subscribe to Hidden Horsepower at the TotalSeal.com website, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We just dropped a Bill Grumpy Jenkins story from Tom Martino on your head. That's what this is all about. And those guys, those great characters, they shared their knowledge. And here to this day, you're able to forward that along. That's great. Yeah. Well, I'll give you one, Bill. I'll give you one one. Glidden one. Glidden and I were in – I love that guy. That guy was a fan's pleasure. He would use three Sharpies to my one, and and I was honored to watch him sign autographs. I've watched him come out of Port-a-Johns, and people wait for him, and him sign autographs you know, on the way back to the trailer from a Port-a-John. That, I mean, that guy loved the fans. He was a hard man, but he loved the fans. And I remember he didn't like the fact that I liked to sit low in the car. And we were at, we were at Sonoma. I, I, I did a burnout, and he gets on the radio. You missed a spot by two inches. I'm thinking, that's pretty damn good. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I says, you're kidding me. He goes, yeah. You're sitting too low in the car. Now, we're arguing. This is, this is in, in a round of, of pro stock, no less. We're arguing over my burnout, right? <laughs> so this fellow, Reiner, used to back me up and line me up. I go, Reiner, are you behind me? He goes, yeah, come on back, driver. And I go, get out of the way. So why? I said, because I'm running that old guy over. I put that thing in reverse. I backed up about 35 miles an hour, which doesn't sound fast, but backing up a pro stock car that fast is fast. <laughs> Richard Maskey, it's on the radio. And and Keith's gonna test this. Richard talks in monotone. Um, oh yeah, guys, that's not so smart. Can we get through this round, please? <laughs> <laughs> that's a good Richard, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. No, no. And, but Glidden, Glidden taught me so much stuff, so much practical stuff. Glidden was a practical guy. You know, if we needed to weld the muffler on the generator, give me a hanger. We don't have a MIG welder or a TIG welder here. Give me a hanger and a torch. We're going to weld it. You know, Glidden, I, you, you want to be on a deserted island with a, with a gentleman like Bob Glidden because you would survive. Amazing. Now the legends of the sport, these guys, and unfortunately uh, have passed. Warren's still with us, and we love him. Get to see him every once in a while. Um, but just uh, the things that they know that they've done and I'm glad that they've been able to share some uh, with you. Uh, we're getting towards the end of this edition of Hidden Horsepower. I do want to hear a couple of things, though, from you, Tom, in that, mm-hmm. um, you know, great moments in racing. You're a driver who is an engine builder who has had success in both. I want to hear, like, your best and worst moments uh, at the track or, or racing, some things like high point, low point. Give me that. Well, I, 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 I think... My high point of of my most one of my most memorable times in in, in racing and over all the years was my first pro win in in Houston. Um, as you could tell from this podcast, I don't have any problem talking. Um, I'm, I'm I'm an Italian from New Jersey. We could talk forever. It's, it's what we do best, I think. And um, <laughs> and that's no, and I don't mean that as disrespect to anybody else. It's just, it's just our person, my personality. Um, 
we wanted we I beat Bruce Allen in the final of of Houston, and David Rears was a longtime friend of mine. Still to this day, we call each other and and we talk about not even engines, just things in general. And um, we beat Bruce in the final, and 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 we come down the long return road in Houston. And we're waiting to get our pitcher taken, and I was sponsored by Mama Rosa Pizza at the time, Girardi Girardi Foods, and um, my buddy Paulie probably could out talk me. We're leaning on the car and and we're not saying a word. And uh, Paul said, "Man, we got to enjoy this." I go, "I know." It was so surreal. I couldn't. I was thank God. I, I told you this earlier. Thank God, no one put a mic in front of me. They would have thought I was a blundering idiot because I I, I would have just rambled. But I don't know what I would have said. I I don't know if I could answer the question. Uh, and, wow. And the, the the other the other most memorable was was. Um, Losing the first time I lost in the final in Comp at Indy, I I really thought I was going to beat David Nickens. I had a great light, and somehow from the semis to the final, he he picked up like like a tenth. I left and 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 um, I said to myself, got that one. You know, I'm rolling through the gears, and I had to give him a head start. I was in I was in uh, B altered, and he was in um, in E altered, and. Uh, I got the thing in fourth, and I said, "Man, I just won Indy. I'm in fourth gear, so I'm I'm a calf track, and I'm, you know, my positive thinking. I I just won Indy. I put that thing up in fifth gear, reaching up for the parachute, <sighs> go through the lights, pull the chute. I go, huh? My light is out. There's a light on the wall after the finish line for people that don't know that tell you which who won which side. The light comes on your side, you win. I pull the chute, go, huh? My light's out, <laughs> idiot." I look over to the left and I see his light is on. I'm friends with David Nickens. It took everything in my power not to cross lanes and hit him. There's some jersey coming out right there. Oh, yeah. I was like, I'm going to wreck him. What did the guy do wrong? Nothing. All he did was beat me fair and square. (laughs) But my first thought was, ah, my bulb isn't working. (laughs) Then I looked over to the other side and his light was on. And I was like, my left hand is trying to turn to the left. My right hand is trying to turn to the right to keep it in the lane. But thank God I'm righty because if I was lefty, it was going across. I was clipping the back of that Castro car and wrecking him. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Andy's a big deal. I can understand the emotion. They must have tuned it yeah. up. He tuned it up for the final. Yeah. And I lost I lost some years later to, to, to uh, Patterson in the final. And it was a very good race. We had both lost some index going along the way, and and he he he, he beat me. Um, um, and I didn't take that loss well in my head. I'm not a sore loser. I, you never see me throw things or any of that. I hold it all in. But uh, it 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 wasn't as bad as the first one that I lost there. So interesting, Keith. Any final questions for Mr. Martino? Well, Engines. Well, I, I wanted to. I, I want to circle back because I wanted to touch on something Tom mentioned just before. I only met Grump one time, and I generally dealt with Jake at the shop. And this kind of goes back a few years. We were here at Phoenix Firebird at the time, and I'm walking by, and Jake grabs me. Hey, hey, you know, Grump wants to talk to you. So roll on into the trailer. We had tried a couple things, you know, just like we would with Tom. You know, hey, we, you know, try this, see what you think. When it comes back out, let's take a look at it, see what we, you know, let's, you know, it's, it's like that, you know, it's that whole forensic CSI thing. You know, the parts are telling you something. If you're listening, if you're looking, you're paying attention. Disassembly is every bit as important as assembly. You need to look at 
everything coming out because it's telling you a story if you're paying attention. Well, Grump had run some parts. He wanted me to look at him, kind of give him my thought. He's going to give me his. So we're in there. Never met the man. Come in, shake his hand. He's sitting in the front of the trailer. Got the you know got the you know the the trademark cigar. He's sitting on a stool. Uh, yeah, yeah, looking at this ring. You know, just like John said, go over this thing. The man leaves over on his right cheek, lets out the most outrageous part, and just <laughs> keeps on rolling like nothing happened. It was hysterical. No, <laughs> uh, that's him. That is him. <laughs> or was him. God rest his soul. Yes. Oh. God rest his soul. God to me, though, I had never met the man, and I just thought, this guy is so cool. He doesn't know me from anybody. Just rolls right along. It was just, you know, I, I was just another guy. You know, I'm standing in front of the legend, and he gave me the respect to fart in front of me, and I loved it. <laughs> and there you have it. Oh, amazing stuff. He knew he was cool. That's why. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he is. No, he is. Yeah, icon of the sport. Uh, icon of motorsports. Yeah. Bill Grumpy Jenkins, uh, certainly. Uh, Tom, we appreciate you coming on Hidden Horsepower at the end of each episode. Uh, we like to imagine that there is a next generation of engine builders out there, hopefully seeking out knowledge and finding Hidden Horsepower on their podcast feed, Spotify, Apple Podcast, wherever they get their podcast. So we ask all of our guests for maybe a little advice to those people, the next generation what to do, how to be successful, something to look at uh, in terms of, uh, you know, what is the road to success that you found? Please uh, feel free to offer up. Well, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to call it the road to success because I'm, I, I, I think, I, I don't know if I'm successful. I'm successful enough to earn a living and live the life I want to live. I, I would like to be more successful, but I could tell you, I think I've survived the economy in in 2006 when it took a turn down and and you know put myself out there when you know I have quite a few competition eliminator customers that run really well you know I have four guys that won their first ever races since they came to us um so we we have we we're still very active on the on that side what one thing I could tell you is we never shortcut I don't care if I'm building you a a 383 stroker motor for your 69 Camaro. It gets the same attention, checking clearances and and whatever. If you want to be successful, you just never, ever, it'll be a right is not the right answer. You know, always make sure, listen, we make mistakes. I've messed things up. I've had motors go bad that we built in best intentions. We stand behind our stuff, uh, you know, but... We never. I could always put my head on a pillow at night, even if I made a mistake. I didn't make a mistake because I just figured it would be okay, you know. Um, it. Yeah. I feel that as long as you're true to yourself, and do the best job you can, and cross every T and dot every I, that your product will be will be good. And and there's never ever a um, someone that has a good product that that um, isn't somewhat successful. And there you have it. Tom Martino, Martino Racing Engines, with us here on Hidden Horsepower. Tom, uh, great job. When can we see you at the drag strip again? Well, I'm, I'm hoping to come to, if, if, if the authorities in Pennsylvania allow um, Maple Grove to go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go there and try to win for the third time out of the four years. I was runner-up last year. I won the first two years I was there, and then was runner-up last year. I'm a I took too much in- index and C super modified, so we just did a new manifold to put on Kenny's car to make it a B super modified. And um, 
I hate to say this because I don't want to jinx myself, but I, I'd really like to be, I'd really like to run in the sevens there with a B supercar. And, um, uh, but we don't know, you know, with, with the pandemic going on, you know, we, we're going to abide by whatever rules are, you know, each area of the country is, is going off of. Um, but there's a small possibility that, that, um, I'm trying to talk Kenny into it now. It's a little far for Kenny to travel because his truck and trailer might get go through a rainstorm, might get a piece of dirt on it because the thing is absolutely spotless. <laughs> we we might we we might be at Indy. Uh-huh. Um, I'm I'm going to go to Indy regardless as as a just me. I have a customer, Jim Kimbrough, that's the uh, sure. All Star champion, and I'm gonna. I I told him. Yeah, I promised him if he was ever the champion, I would go to that race, and and I'm gonna go there. And so if I have to go there to help Jim, I might as well drive Kenny's car. There you have it. I love it. Big news. Big news. Tom, thank you very much. Uh, really appreciate well, thank it. Thank you, guys. Great job on Hidden Horsepower, the stories. And you said, uh, Keith, correct me if I'm wrong, didn't he say he's got 30 podcasts worth of Bob Glidden and Warren Johnson stories that he could share? I, 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 think, he said, I think he said at least that. I think that was just on Glidden. So if we take him, you know, we put the Maskin mm-hmm. stories together, the yep. Glidden stories together, yep. you know, the, the Johnson stories, stories together, grow up, maybe throw some. Stories are, some of the Warren stories are the best because we would, whenever we lost before the final, we would be in his motor coach. And I'm not a big drinker, but, but there was many a time my wife had to come get me from the motor coach and help me back to, to our trailer. <laughs> Warren, I think, loved over-serving me. <laughs> and he would be as sober as could be. I, I'm, I'd go over there. I'm going to get him this time. I even faked drinking when I was there. You know, I would pour it, pour it out while he wasn't looking and make like I was drinking. And he would still be as sober as could be. And I was like, damn. <laughs> Dump it in the potted plant next to you. Huh? There it is. Oh, yeah. I, I promise you. <laughs> You know, uh, Arlene, Arlene's Arlene. wondering why all her palm trees are dying. You know? Yeah, Arlene, Arlene would make these killer margaritas, but she would make me virgin ones. You know, and I'd be drinking them with Warren. I'd have one real one and three virgins, and and I would be feeling it because I'm not a drinker, and he'd be just like he could probably drive. I mean, he didn't drive. He always would stay in the motor coach overnight, but he would be in way better shape than me. Yeah. They don't call him the professor <laughs> for nothing. He had probably invented something that you were unaware of. Tom, great job. Thank you very I much. I guarantee you he had an angle. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for being on the show. All right, guys. All right. Thanks, Tommy. All right, Keith. Thank you very much. There he goes. Tom Martino on Hidden Horsepower. Keith, I didn't know that we were going to get Grumpy Jenkins and Bob Glidden stories on this edition. I knew we were going to talk a little bit about round track racing and engine building and finding horsepower, but that's why you've got to subscribe to this podcast because you just never know. That that's the absolute truth. It's it, it's great working with guys like him. And he had mentioned, you know, Bob Glidden. God rest his soul. You know, I worked with him and Warren and you know all these legends of the sport. And the stories and the things that they've done and seen, uh, you know, getting that information is just priceless. It, it, it's great. And it, literally just the tip of the iceberg, just like talking with Ed Pink, you know, the, the, the stories these guys have and 
the memories they can recall of all the, the neat things that they've done throughout their careers. Uh, it's awesome. And like you say, you don't want to miss out on a second of it because you just don't know what's going to come up. You don't know what's going to come up. I do know that there are people out there who want to know what they need to do with their project, probably all fired up after hearing these episodes. Tell them well, what they need to do. Of course, the brand new website. But if they want to reach out and you always say start with a call before you go buying parts and, and you know, figure out what you want to do. Start with a call. Uh, let them know where they can get a hold of you. Yeah, just, just give us a ring here at Total Seal, 800-874-2753. Myself, any other guys, we can all help you out, answer those questions. As Joe's heard me say so many times, make me your first call, not your last. Uh, in, in these very unique times that we're dealing with today, there's a lot of guys, hobbyists, that are they're diving into old projects. And I'll just give you, there's an old design piston ring. It's called a headland ring. Uh, kind of popular late 60s, grumpy ran them back in the day, 70s. Uh, I might get a call once a year for headland rings. Last week, we had four different people call up on small blocks, one an old pro stock Ford engine looking for headland rings. And the comment from these guys, and these were all different people, different parts of the country, is, man, I've looked everywhere for these things. You just can't find these anymore. And they've spent hours on the phone trying to track down these parts. Not a problem. We can make them for you. Piece of cake. So, like I said, make me your first call, not your last. We'll save you a bunch of time. It's great that you say that. And when I was hanging out at Total Seal, Keith showed me just like rings from things that were not, you know, even in in existence anymore, whether it be a tractor or some old engine that doesn't exist. And that they, he said, and I don't, you know, I don't know how much Hartford likes this, but love the challenge of stuff like that. So uh, I I respect it, Keith, that you guys, you know, you want to keep these things running. And if nobody's got it. If, if you're not there to do it, the thing is not going to run. And, and, I, and we very much appreciate that. One of the, you know, what's happened in this industry is, you know, it's, it's companies are like everything else, trying to trim the fat, get as lean as possible. And, you know, some of these phone calls take a little time. And, you know, you've got to do some research and you've got to have some, you know, a little bit of knowledge. And, you know, knowing it is what it is you're looking at and how to figure out how to put the, you know, the square peg into the round hole. And not a lot of companies out there are willing to take that time these days. And I'm not, I'm not picking on anybody or saying anything negative about anybody. It's just, the, it's just the times that we live in. And we're here to help you. You know, you've got that weird project, old project, antique project, new project. You're working on something. You want a prototype. You're developing a new piece. Give us a call. We're the guys who can help you make that small batch of custom parts for that prototype engine. Uh, that, that's what we're all about. There you go. He's Keith Jones, the director of technical sales, Total Seal Piston Rings. I'm Joe Costello. Keith, thank you so much once again. Thank you, Joe. Again, appreciate everybody having me. Appreciate you taking the time. And that concludes this edition of Hidden Horsepower presented by Total Seal. Remember, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, all the social media, the brand new website. You definitely want to rate the show, write a review. That's very helpful to us. And stick around. It won't be long till our next episode. Hidden Horsepower by Total Seal. See you next time.